woke cultural Marxism progresses to the goal of overthrowing Christian America. I know that's quite a title, but uh, that's what we're going to discuss today right here on the Christian Worldview radio program, where the mission is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to share the good news that all people can be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm David Wheaton, the host of the program, and our website is thechristianworldview.org. Well, thank you for joining us today on the program. You know, last weekend we discussed the the woke movement uh, with Phil Johnson uh, from Grace to You and also a, a blogger, uh, conference speaker. Uh, he talked about the, he wrote a column on this, that it is, the woke movement is emerging within the evangelical church from those who consider themselves woke. In other words, awake. They're enlightened. They're activists to issues of race, gender, and sexuality that they believe the church is failing to address. In their view, the evangelical church is is white-centric, and it's racist against blacks, it's sexist against women, and it's unwelcoming toward homosexuals, and this all needs to change in their view. So what is influencing these evangelicals to take up these quote-unquote social justice issues from a perspective that shares much in common with regular secular cultural Marxism worldview that sees, quote, white privilege and the heterosexual patriarchy as oppressing the oppressed. What is the ultimate goal of cultural Marxism? To answer these questions, we're going to play some sound bites today from a recent broadcast of Unshackled. Maybe some of you have heard that out of Pacific Garden Mission. They've been on the air for, I think, for decades, uh, usually profiling uh, stories of people who were um, down and out, drugs and alcohol, and how coming to saving faith in Christ unshackled them from the bondage they were in. But they did an interesting broadcast on Independence Day about America and about the threats from within in America. We're going to play some of those sound bites today. That goes so well with what we were talking about last week on the program. So we're going to try to find out more about what the terms of this social justice woke movement, uh, what they mean, because understanding the language is key. Try to find out what they're trying to accomplish and what the Christian response to it is. So as I mentioned last week, Phil Johnson was on the program. He had written this column, and it's still linked on our website if you'd like to read it. It's in last week's program. And just to read a paragraph or two from it, for those of you who didn't hear the program last week, it says, he says, a radical push, and he spelled it P-U-T-S-C-H. Maybe it's pronounced putch, a radical putch. And I looked up what that word meant, and it kind of means push, but it means more than that. It means a violent attempt to overthrow a government. So a radical putsch is currently underway to get evangelicals on board with doctrines borrowed from black liberation theology, critical race theory, which is basically um, starts with the presupposition that there's a, a whole structural white supremacy in society that needs to be overthrown. Uh, intersectional feminism, we'll get more into that in a second. We're going to define these terms today and other ideologies that are currently stylish in the left-leaning secular academy or higher education. All of these things are being aggressively promoted in the name of racial reconciliation. This is within the evangelical church now, not just the broader society. 
This has suddenly given rise to a popular movement that looks to be far more influential and a more ominous threat to evangelical unity and gospel clarity than the emergent campaign. Remember that? About 15 years ago. The movement doesn't have an official name yet, but the zealots therein like to refer to themselves as, quote, woke. Evangelical thought leaders boast of their wokeness and vie with one another to be woker than thou. In other words, they're awake. They're enlightened to the injustices, the systemic, the structural injustices in society, and they're going to do something about it. They're not sitting on the sidelines about this. They're, they're going to do something. So today I'd like to, as I mentioned, better understand what, what all these terms mean. And, and why they are used. I mean, white privilege and what's what's the heterosexual patriarchy? What's what's xenophobic? Uh, what are all these 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 words that we hear coming out? Multiculturalism, uh, uh, culturally misappropriated. What do these terms mean, and why are they used? Well, and also to better understand what are they are actually rejecting and what are they promoting? What, what are their goals? What are the goals of this movement, both within the evangelical church and in the broader society? And then lastly, is there anything biblical or, or glorifying to God in all of this? I think we want to ask that honestly. When there's big movements like this going on within the evangelical church, we need to say, well, is there truth to this? Is there something that we do need to change? Uh, is there something here that God wants us to to look into and examine ourselves. We'll get into that as well. But one soundbite I didn't get to last week was on one of those issues that Phil Johnson brought up in that that blog post of intersectional feminism. What is intersectionality? And uh, this is something that, you know, all all these terms are, are part of the same type. They're just terms that are all part of the same movement, this social justice movement. But what is intersectional feminism. Well, I listened to a, a, a what's called a Prager University. Maybe you've heard of that. Dennis Prager is a radio host, and he produces these short videos that explain kind of worldview topics. Now, Dennis Prager is, is not a believer. He's he's not a Christian. He's, he's a Jew. So he's got a Jewish worldview. He's a religious Jew. And so is the young man who produced or is the voice of this soundbite, Ben Shapiro. You've probably seen him on Fox News. He's a conservative. I think he, he's the executive editor of a, a kind of a major um, conservative uh, website. I can't remember the name of it right now, but he's been around for a while. He's a smart uh, guy, and he they did a video on what intersectionality is. I'm just going to play that so you can have an idea, again, to understand what these terms mean. So when you hear them come up, you know what is being discussed. Here's Ben Shapiro on what is intersectionality. You probably think your opinions matter. You probably think you're an individual with unique experiences, thoughts, and ambitions. Well, I hate to break it to you, but according to current leftist orthodoxy, you're wrong. You see, your opinion only matters relative to your identity and where that identity ranks on the hierarchy of intersectionality. Intersectionality is a form of identity politics in which the value of your opinion depends on how many victim groups you belong to. At the bottom of the totem pole is the person everybody loves to hate, the straight white male. And who's at the top? Well, it's very hard to say because new groups claim victim status all the time. No one can keep track. So how does this intersectionality thing play out? Something like this. Let's say you're a gay white woman. Your opinion matters, but less than that of a gay black woman. Why? Because while all women are oppressed by the patriarchy and all gays are oppressed by the heterosexual majority, 
blacks have a victim status that whites obviously don't. Of course, a gay black woman's victim status is less than that of a black trans woman who ranks below a black Muslim trans woman, and so on. The more memberships you can claim in oppressed groups, the more aggrieved you are and the higher you rank. Get it? Good, because it's about to get even more complicated. Intersectionality takes your victim status and uses it as the basis for creating alliances with other victim groups. 30 or 40 years ago, activists encouraged racial solidarity among blacks to combat oppression. But today, that's not enough. Today's activists demand blacks make common cause with other allegedly oppressed people, gays, lesbians, transgenders, Palestinians, Native Americans, whomever. Here's the logic. A black gay and a Hispanic gay may not belong to the same victim group racially, but they do belong to the same victim group on the basis of their sexuality. By focusing on the places where various victim identities intersect, intersectionality creates a united us versus them paradigm. Righteous victims rising up together to fight the oppressor, those dreaded straight white men. This explains why at a rally protesting the treatment of Palestinians by Israel, you might see a contingent of lesbian activists. That's intersectionality at work. They're so united by their victim status that it doesn't matter if Islamists throw gays off of buildings or murder female family members who defy their father's wishes. Victim solidarity trumps all other considerations. The term intersectionality was coined by Kimberly Crenshaw, a professor of law at Columbia University. She explains that intersectionality was my attempt to make feminism, anti-racist activism, and anti-discrimination law do what I thought they should, highlight the multiple avenues through which racial and gender oppression were experienced. To Crenshaw, America is a terrible place full of victim groups, each with their particular set of grievances. Why shouldn't these victim groups get together and form a political coalition unified by the belief that the majority society has harmed them? That some professor tucked away in an ivory tower would come up with this nonsense is not surprising. What is surprising and disturbing is that so many people actually go along with it. America is the most open, least racist nation on the planet. That Professor Crenshaw is free to spin her nonsensical theories and get paid well for it should offer adequate proof of that. And since when do you have to live someone's experience in order to understand them? You don't have to live as a slave in order to understand that slavery is cruel and wrong. You don't have to live as a woman in order to recognize the evil of rape. Finally, and most important, intersectionality promotes the biggest hoax of all that we aren't individuals who are to be judged on the basis of how we act, but are merely members of groups to be judged on the basis of our group identity. In other words, you and I as individuals with our unique experiences, thoughts, and ambitions count for nothing. Our racial and sexual identity count for everything. It's hard to imagine an idea less likely to produce a free and equal America than that. But what do I know? I'm just a straight white male. I'm Ben Shapiro for Prager University. Okay, so I hope you you were able to follow all of that. I think you explained it quite well. And again, these terms like um, social justice and the intersectionality and so forth, they're all really part of the same thing. And they're actually not that complicated if you just understand sort of the the Marxist theory of their, the, the view of the world that there are oppressors and the oppressors in our society are white men, heterosexual Christians, the wealthy, the business owners, they're the ones that are oppressing all these people, the the oppressed in our society, which are the minority skin colors, people who don't have money, um, the people who are sexual, quote unquote, sexual minorities, so to speak, homosexuals, transgenders. If you kind of get that clear, you're going to understand this. And intersectionality, Ben Shapiro was saying, is basically just uniting these these victim groups, you know, identity politics, whatever you want to call it, all these victim groups that are you know, all these grievances that are they're stoked uh, by the, the leftist political class 
that they're uniting common cause with others who are oppressed so they have more political power. So you may get, you know, homosexuals and you may get um, a minority skin color, blacks or Latinos. Uh, you may get Native Americans or whatever, but they, 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 they have a brotherhood of victim status. And they've, they've found that even if they don't share necessarily common causes all the time, because they're victims, they gather together, their causes intersect uh, to overthrow the oppressor. That's what intersectionality is. And so there's also the, the other parts of inter, the other victim group. A part of this is Phil Johnson was intersectional feminism. That's basically where feminists, they believe they're 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 oppressed by by men. And so they'll have common cause with maybe homosexuals or or some other skin color minority. And they join together in common cause. That's what that's what this means. OK, so all that being said, after the program last week, talked about this term woke. People are awake to these things now, and these need to be uh, rectified. These injustices need to be rectified. Um, actually, my, my sister-in-law told me about this broadcast that she had heard on Unshackled. And Unshackled, again, is typically a broadcast that talks about how someone who is down and out comes to faith in Christ and was able to overcome and get unshackled from the bondage of sin they were in. But she told me how Unshackled had a broadcast on July 4th about America— and about the woke movement, I thought, unshackled, really? So I went to listen to it, and it was very interesting. They had a very, I think, very good take on the movement, this culturally Marxist movement in America, and how it's going to undermine the country if we don't watch out. I'll play sound bites from that next on The Christian Worldview. Here in Minnesota, it's been a long winter, a really long winter. As you dream about green grass and warmer days, consider putting the Christian Worldview Golf and Dinner event on your summer calendar. The event date is Monday, September 17th at Woodhill Country Club in Wyzetta, Minnesota. Golfers will enjoy an afternoon on one of the historic courses in the state, followed by the dinner event. Dinner-only attendees will enjoy a late afternoon meet-and-greet on the lawn followed by a great meal with a special live interview and worldview message. Please register early as space is limited to about 22 golf foursomes and 125 dinner guests. Event details and registration are at thechristianworldview.org or call 1-888-646-2233. That's 1-888-646-2233 or thechristianworldview.org. Thanks for joining us today on the Christian Worldview radio program. I'm David Wheaton, the host, and our website is thechristianworldview.org. Just a listener note or announcement for our listeners in the, let's say, the Twin Cities area. I'm going to be uh, speaking at Faith Bible Church uh, the next two Sundays. So that would be Sunday, July 22nd and Sunday, July 29th. Uh, Faith Bible Church meets at the University of Northwestern in the uh, the Nazareth Chapel at 9.30 on Sunday mornings. I'm going to be speaking on why you need a sharp Christian worldview, and the first message will be on the foundation of the Christian worldview, and next week will be on the fundamentals of the Christian worldview. So you're certainly invited if maybe your church is on break or you're looking for a church or something like that, you'd be welcome to come over to that uh, this Sunday and next. That's Faith Bible Church 
University of Northwestern, uh, which I think is in Roseville, just north of uh, the Twin Cities there, 9.30 a.m. Hope to uh, see some of you out there for that. All right, we're talking today about how woke cultural Marxism progresses to the goal of overthrowing Christian America. And again, cultural Marxism is is the the worldview of Karl Marx, is one who who founded this, and, and communism really uh, that uh, the world is is divided into those who are oppressors uh, over the minority folks who are oppressed. And he saw it a, a lot in terms of economics. You know, the business owners, those who own the businesses, the wealthy, they were oppressing the workers. Uh, it's been changed. Uh, that didn't really work out so well. To put it mildly, you know, in in the Soviet Union, in Cuba, in Venezuela today, in communist countries, North Korea, uh, other places around the world where they tried communism and it miserably failed. Uh, it's been changed into a cultural Marxism now where you know, cultural groups are minority groups are oppressed. And so we need to overthrow that and remake the system. That's what cultural Marxism is. And so as I was mentioning before the break that I heard this podcast on Unshackled, which has been around for many, many years. And we have it linked, by the way, at our website, thechristianworldview.org. And it's about a 20, 25-minute podcast. I'm not going to play the whole thing. It aired on the 4th of July Independence Day, and it talked about America's history and so forth. But then they got into this dramatization, because that's what the, the broadcast is. It's a, They dramatize stories of people. And so they have, they have actors, and it's over the radio. It's really well done. And so they started out by talking about, you know, the founding of this country and what it was like. But then they got into, you know, what is the the threat to America now? And one of the threats is coming from within. And so they give a background to start out on on what this cultural Marxism Marxism is that's that's in mainstream society now for sure, controlling for sure much of those on the political left, but also they don't get into it as much as far as what we talked about last week. Uh, with Phil Johnson, how much it's now influencing the evangelical church as well. Let's get to the first soundbite from Unshackled on cultural Marxism. The military wars of the 20th century were not the only wars facing our country. These hot wars morphed into a cold war, and an ideology found its way into our country, creating an enemy within. The Marxist push to communize the entire world through revolution failed miserably. Between the Soviet Union, China, North Korea, Vietnam, Cambodia, and Cuba, and other nations, tens of millions of lives were lost in their effort to create a Marxist-Communist utopian dream state. But they haven't stopped trying. The Marxist-Communists have been trying to collapse our freedom-loving, free-market capitalist system from their very beginning. But after failing with economic Marxism, they focused on trying to topple America from the inside, culturally. Cultural Marxism seeks to scrub America of her Judeo-Christian founding principles and create, instead, a secular socialist makeover of America. In 1963, goals from the Communist Manifesto were shared with Congress. The communist agenda toward America includes infiltrating the schools and the press, an effort to abolish the nuclear family, and discrediting the Bible while also eliminating religious expression in schools. How are they doing it? They use strategies like political correctness, a tool to control speech. Control the speech, you control thoughts. Control thoughts, and you control the person. They use identity politics. Divide people up into different identities, 
categories of subracial groups or victim groups. Focus on the things that make us different or focus on historical injustices. Fragment people into tribes pitted against each other using the politics of bitterness and resentment. This dangerous ideology doesn't judge people as individuals but as a collective, the opposite of how God sees us. In fact, they don't believe in the individual. Since they don't believe in individual identity, your identity is group-fostered, which means you're basically an exemplar of your race or sex or gender or your ethnicity, or however you can be classified so that you can be used as a tool and placed into the position of victim against the oppressor. The old Marxist strategy. Break the system from the inside so you can scrap it and start new. The end goal? Power and control. And that's the game. That is the game, and they explained it very well there. Uh, whoever wrote this at Unshackled really understands the worldview battle uh, going on in this country. He explained it so well. I thought it was an, an interesting when they talked about the the Communist Manifesto. The goals for America was take over the education system and the press, abolish the nuclear family, that's dad and mom raising children, discredit the Bible, and eliminate religious expression in schools. How well do you think uh, they've been doing on that issue, on these issues? You see, I think it's hard for for people today to think communism, Marxism. I mean, come on, wasn't that back in the mid-20th century, the 1950s? I mean, is, isn't that over now? The answer is absolutely not. There, There is this Marxist-communist uh, itch uh, that's innate in the heart of man because at its core, Marxism-communism is a rejection of God and his design for the world. And Marxism-Communism is the ultimate that man can do to try to create this equitable world. It's their utopian vision. So it's always in the heart of man. Ever since the Tower of Babel, we shall make a name for ourselves, and we shall all be one. That That's still in the heart of man. It never goes away. So just this communist, Marxist, cultural Marxism always just crops up with a different head. It's like whack-a-mole. You hit one, and it comes up somewhere else in a different form. And then they get into the dramatization in Unshackled. They give the background there on cultural Marxism and the threat. And then they, they show, they, they give an example of it, how it plays out in, in a family. And, and the family is a, is a white family, and they're having Thanksgiving dinner. This is a background here. And their daughter comes home from college. This is her first year in college, and it's Thanksgiving time. And she either has a boyfriend or some guy with her, and they've been at college and well, we'll just let you hear uh, what the conversation goes like. To see what the game looks like, let us visit a family. Could be any family in any home in the country. In fact, for some, it already is. And so we thank you, Lord, for getting Jill and her friend Mark safely home to us from college for this blessed holiday of gratitude, of which we have much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy yeah. Thanksgiving. Dad, it's, um, it's Happy Annual Harvest Dinner. Hmm? It's Happy Annual Harvest Dinner. We don't say Happy Thanksgiving anymore. Who's we and, and why? Well, we that are woke. Uh, yes, um, those of us awakened to systemic injustices. Happy Thanksgiving could be considered insensitive to indigenous people. Uh-huh. 
Well, Sam Locklear at my firm is half Cherokee, and he celebrates Thanksgiving. Maybe Mr. Locklear feels culturally misappropriated, but is afraid to say anything because you represent the post-colonialism position of power. I'm sorry he said that. Oh, it's okay. Said what? Dad, it's just... We want to be mindful of not using those words. Those words? Banned words. Uh, yes, Mr. Cook, they uh, could trigger someone. Yeah, we don't want to traumatize anyone, so we use bias-free words. Bias-free words. Right, like um, mankind is now people kind. Uh-huh, right? and uh, uh, man-made is artificial. Uh, our Christian name is now our forename. Forename. Uh, housewife is consumer. There's a long list of biased words. Fellowship, illegal, wrong, lazy. She, hers. Him, he, his. Well, what are they teaching you at this school? How to be better citizens of the world. You're not a citizen of the world. You're an American citizen. That's offensive, too. What's offensive? American. It implies that the U.S. is the only country in the continents of North and South America. <laughs> They're not teaching you. They're indoctrinating you with this radical PC rubbish. Okay, so it, it may seem sort of far-fetched, but this is absolutely not far-fetched at all. If, you, if you're if you in touch with what goes on on the college campus, this is very, very real. Matter of fact, I'm, I bet you there are people listening today who can relate very well to the conversation that took place at the dinner table. I want to play one more short soundbite. Now, the 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 daughter and the friend, they, they rush out. They're all offended. They leave the dinner table. And the younger daughter is still left there. And here's the conversation that takes place with the father and the younger daughter. Daddy, can I do a sleepover with Melissa this next weekend? I thought we had the father-daughter dance next weekend. It was canceled. Why? I don't know. They sent a letter. It's in my bag. Um, here it is. This weekend's father-daughter dance has been canceled due to new gender rules. A state mandate to eliminate gender-based activities has been implemented effective immediately. Father-daughter dances inherently leave people out. Any event that purports a binary-only system can be exclusionary. Okay, Monday, we're going to go talk to your school principal. I thought you were going to Jill's college on Monday. We're doing both. It's going to be a big day. Pack a lunch. Okay, so... That will come up next on the Christian Worldview. We'll play the conversation they have with the the director of diversity and equity on inclusion at the college. Because this perfectly captures this 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 struggle that's taking place in our country today, but not only in the country, that's coming into the evangelical church as well. I'm David Wheaton. You're listening to the Christian Worldview. The Bible warns repeatedly about false teachers who lead many away from the truth. Costi Hinn knows all about this, having seen the staged healings and extravagant use of donor funds while working at his uncle Benny Hinn's events around the world. Costi was saved out of this and has written an excellent book titled Defining Deception, Freeing the Church from the Mystical Miracle Movement that traces the history, false doctrines, and leaders including the New Apostolic Reformation. And he's careful to not broad-brush all charismatics. For a limited time, you can order Defining Deception, a 198-page softcover that retails for $16.95 without shipping for a donation of any amount to The Christian Worldview. Go to thechristianworldview.org or call one 646 2233 
or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. How woke cultural Marxism progresses to the goal of overthrowing Christian America. That is the topic we're discussing today here on the Christian Worldview radio program. I'm David Wheaton, the host. Our website is thechristianworldview.org. I encourage you to go there, sign up for our free weekly email that comes out on Fridays. It gives you the preview and all the links for the program. That's important to get because a lot of times we reference articles and columns and uh, in the program that you can just go there. You don't have to search for on the internet. They're just right there. You can click on them and read them for yourselves. You can listen, for instance, this unshackled broadcast. They were playing a few sound bites from today uh, is linked right on there. So you can go uh, and hear that. Sign up for the free Christian Realview weekly email. You can also sign up for our annual print letter, which comes out uh, late in the year, November, December. Uh, you can hear audio of past programs on the website. You can you can support the Christian worldview there too. We really appreciate your support and encouragement that uh, we are completely listener supported. So we uh, just are thankful for those of you who um, uh, pray for us and send us financial gifts and so forth and really help us keep us on the air. Um, okay, so let's, if you just joined us, we're talking about cultural Marxism, the idea that uh, America is a structurally uh, in unjust country. It's it, the the oppressors are are white, wealthy men, Christian heterosexuals, and they are oppressing all these different people in America. Whether they're they're blacks, other minority skin colors, uh, sexual minorities, homosexuals, transgenders, women, uh, immigrants, refugees, uh, and, and this needs to be. We are a historically unjust country. Uh, because our founders own slaves, uh, it's baked right into who we are. And so the Constitution and Declaration of Independence, this is all unworthy because of those who, who wrote it and needs to be overturned. And so that they gave this background on this threat, this humanistic Marxist uh, ideology that's trying to undermine uh, everything in this country that was, that was Christian. And they, they have this dramatization of a family at Thanksgiving dinner. The daughter comes home from college, and she's throwing around these terms like, you know, we that are woke or that someone's culturally misappropriated. In other words, uh, an Indian who uh, – Native American Indian who is part of, uh, you know, mainstream society now is culturally misappropriated. He doesn't feel uh, part of his own uh, ethnic group anymore. You know, he, he, he's lost touch with it. Um, the father who is sitting there with his mouth open to all this is part of the post-colonial, he's in a post-colonial position of power because he's a, a white male father. And then we talked about banned words and bias-free words uh, or biased words like illegal or, or saying someone uh, is lazy or she, her, or his. These are gender-specific words. Those are bias words. And I'll, <laughs> I have an article here on from NBC News, maybe you've seen this on the news, raising babies, T-H-E-Y-B-I-E-S, raising babies, letting kids choose their gender. These parents who are now not uh, calling their kids uh, he or she when they're born, they're not even telling them what, what sex they are. They just, let them, they just don't have anything to do with anything male or female for their children. And they wait until they're 
you know, until they until the children discover it and decide on it for themselves and they're about four years old. Maybe I'll have some time to, to read that column. It's truly un, just unbelievable, the insanity of, of uh, the unregenerate man. But I don't think we'll have time to get in that right away, but maybe later in the program. But I want to get back to more of the sound bites from Unshackled because it gives such a good portrayal of this battle uh, going on within not only the society, but within the church as well. So the father is all up in arms now. His daughter comes home. She's been totally brainwashed to the cultural Marxism at college. The younger daughter, the father-daughter dance was was canceled because uh, that uh, they're trying to eliminate gender-based activities. Uh, they said that a binary-only system, in other words, binary, one or the other, male or female, it's binary, it's too binary. There's man, there's 49 genders according to Facebook, right? Uh, a binor, binary-only system can be exclusionary. You got to get these terms that they're they're throwing all the time. So the father is just, you know, what's going on here? So he's going to go to the college where the the daughter attends, and they have this meeting. And uh, well, I'll just play the next sound bite and how that meeting went. So, on behalf of the college's diversity and equity committee on inclusion, uh, I want to welcome the parents here today because of all the phone calls and emails. We thought we'd uh, consolidate. Okay, just one interjection here. There's another father here at this meeting as well who had the same experience with his own daughter. And this is a black father. And so this particular exchange is between the black father and the diversity director. The meeting, since many of you had questions. And concerns. And, and, and concerns. So we want to address those concerns as we strive to get a better understanding of all our diverse communities on campus and vital areas of study, which include multiculturalism, gender diversity, ethnic identity. Oh, and we'll complete today's session with a privilege walk around the campus where... We, we need to talk about this identity nonsense. I don't feel it's helpful to call it nonsense. What's not helpful is you filling my daughter's head with claptrap ideology. She was fine till she came here. Next thing you know, she's home telling everyone she now identifies as Latina. I say, Tanya... You're black. What are you talking about? She tells me race is a social construct. And from now on, I'm to call her Guadalupe? Oh, that's I would think you would want to celebrate her finding her identity. Because now she can align herself with the group she feels she belongs to. She belongs to her mother and me. And God already gave her her identity. That's right. That's right. Yes. Again, very, very uh, illuminating exchange the Director of Diversity and Equity on Inclusion. And universities, I, I would probably be willing to bet that probably 90% of universities have such a department with someone just like this who throws out the same kind of language about multiculturalism, gender diversity, ethnic identity, and let's go on a privilege walk because those who are privileged, white males uh, in this society, need to understand society from not a privileged standpoint. And so this black father is is outraged that his daughter now comes home and doesn't identify as uh, part of his family, uh, part of uh, being black. Now she identifies as a different ethnicity. She identifies as Latina. She wants to change her name because race is a social construct. It's not something that's you're you're born with a certain ethnic identity. It's something you choose, just like your gender. Well, then the white. Uh, white, the white father, the one that was originally at the Thanksgiving table, he gets into an exchange, and both the white father and the black father are then having this very heated exchange 
with the diversity director. Uh, my daughter, Jill, is a freshman here. We don't say freshman, Mr. Cook. We say first year. Yeah. So Jill is a freshman here. Um, how can a country of 320 million people who don't have much in common with each other and some looking for things that make them different, how, how can we hang together? We, we have to have a common set of values. We have to share in the belief of the Constitution, in, in who we are. Got to be unified. Yes, yes, we are a multiracial society, but we share one common culture. So our appearance, our superficial appearance, has to be incidental to our character. MLK, content of our character, not the color of our skin. Exactly. But if we all start going off into our tribal cliques, there's no unification, which means we're divided, and a house divided will not stand. That's scripture. If a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. We're all in this house together, and the house is our nation, one nation. Under God. Indivisible. Indivisible. Gentlemen, uh, uh, people, with all due respect, we don't mix religion and politics here. Ah, see, what you actually mean there is don't bring my faith onto this campus or into the public square where you can see it. What I mean is they are to be separated, separation of church and state. Or in other words, hide my faith outside of my place of worship. I'm merely following the Constitution. Uh, you're trying to silence views you don't like. The That's First right. Amendment of the Constitution states Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of a religion. Or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech. Mr. Cook, what do you do for a living? I'm an attorney. Uh-oh. Look, no one's prohibiting anything. The separation of church and state reinforces the legal right of free people to freely live their faith. Even in public. That's Mr. Right. Cook, the state regulates public life and the people get to regulate their private life. No. No major religion thinks faith is a strictly private affair. My faith should impact all aspects of my life, public or private. Amen, brother. Like I said, you can believe whatever you want. The First Amendment says so. No. The First Amendment says the free exercise of religion, not merely its free belief. Mr. Uh, Cook, in private, you are free to exercise and believe what you want. But a purely private faith is an irrelevant faith, and we will not be irrelevant. Absolutely. Amen and good night. Drop the mic. Gentlemen, <laughs> I, I mean, people, parents, I will not stand for this bullying. Ain't nobody bullying you. You gotta suck it up, buttercup. I am not a buttercup, and as chair... Human of the Diversity and Equity Committee on Inclusion, I'm going to have to ask you to remove yourselves from participation in this event. Oh, wait, so the Diversity and Equity Committee on Inclusion is excluding us? Oh. I will not tolerate intolerance. Uh -huh. Fine, fine. We'll go talk to the president. And you're welcome to join us if you'd like. No, thank you. Let's go. And you two check your privilege while you're at it. Well... I am sorry about that. I, I realize that may have been difficult for some of you, so the university will be setting up a safe space next door to recuperate for any that were triggered. The, the room will be equipped with cookies, coloring books, and, and calming music. It would be humorous, this whole thing, if it weren't so true about what is taking place right now in the country. And sadly within the evangelical church as well. We'll talk more about this topic when we return to the Christian Realview after this last break of the day. I'm David Wheaton.
Get ready for your summer reading with the lowest prices of the year on My Boy Ben and University of Destruction, both written by David Wheaton and owned by the Christian Worldview. Readers have been touched by My Boy Ben, a moving story about David's close companionship with a yellow lab that culminates in an encouraging message about God's grace in our most trying times. And if you know a high school or college student, you'll want to read and give them University of Destruction, your game plan for spiritual victory on campus. Take advantage of this limited time offer with our lowest prices of the year. Both books make excellent gifts, especially when you request them signed and personalized. The My Boy Ben ebook is also available. Order online at thechristianworldview.org by phone at one 646 or by mail at Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. How woke cultural Marxism progresses to the goal of overthrowing Christian America, because that's the goal, to overthrow Christian America and remake it into this utopian Marxist vision that's always in the heart of man. We've been listening to some sound bites this this weekend here on the program from a broadcast by Unshackled. If you've never heard of Unshackled, it's a, it's a they don't usually deal on this kind of, of topic. Usually it's about someone who's, you know, had a drug problem or alcohol or just down and out and how they came to saving faith in Christ and they were unshackled from the bondage they were in. And it's a tremendous ministry at a Pacific Garden mission, I believe, in Chicago. They've been on the air for years and years, and they do dramatizations. Well, they did one on this this cultural Marxist movement uh, in this country that is now really gaining steam in the um, just in the mainstream of society, but also within the evangelical church, as we discussed last week with Phil Johnson on the program. And so, these sound bites today, I think, are very illuminating and very accurate about what is what is taking place. So we start out the program saying we need to better understand what the terms mean and why they are used. I hope that's been the case. All these different terms that are thrown out, you know, liberation theology and intersectionality and uh, privilege and post-colonial, um, you know, I can't remember all of them. There, there's, there's so many different ones, but they all are part of the same uh, ideology of trying to overturn what they perceive as an unjust um, racist, sexist, homophobic country uh, in remaking it in their own uh, ungodly, I would say, uh, worldview. So to control the language is to control the conversation is to control the future. And the terms and ideologies that are used are, are used to persuade and even coerce to their own worldview and their goal for the future, which is this utopian socialism, brotherhood of man, this forced equality system. It's always been in the heart of man, as I was saying earlier. This is nothing new, and it doesn't go away. Just because the Soviet Union fell in 1991 or whenever it was doesn't mean communism's dead. The ideology of Marxism and communism is always there. It's a rejection of God and his design and the, the fundamentals of the Christian worldview, that God created the perfect world and that man fell and corrupted everything, and that God is now redeeming some out of that world through Christ, and there'll be a future restoration, new heavens, new earth someday, that's what the Bible says, and they reject all that. They don't believe in God, and if they do, it's not the God of the Bible. They don't see a sin as the, as the corrupting influence in the world. They see man is inherently good, not sinful. And so man is the solution to the problem. Christ isn't. He's not the Redeemer. Man is the Redeemer. 
And the, the restoration, that final stage takes place when, when man organizes the world according to the way he wants it to be organized. It's a, it's a fundamental rejection of God, his design, and the fundamentals of the Christian worldview. And that's part of what I'll be talking about this weekend and next at Faith Bible Church uh, in, in uh, University of Northwestern in the Nazareth Chapel. And again, you're invited to come to that. That's July 22nd and 29th, University of Northwestern. All you have to remember is 9.30 a.m., University of Northwestern, Na- Nazareth Chapel, talking about the foundation of the Christian worldview and the fundamentals of the Christian worldview. So I hope we better understand the terms and, and why they are being used. They're being used to, to get their way. And to better understand also why they are promoting and rejecting the things they promote and the things they reject. You know, we're all just products of our influences. And basically, they're a product of the word of man. They're not a product of the word of God. Those who are pushing this, they're being influenced by humanism, humanistic Marxist ideology. They're rejecting a Christian-based America, not Christian, not perfect, biblical, born-again Christian America, but a generally Christian-based America whose founders generally believed in God and the principles of God's word. You know, these people see the founders, again, as wealthy and white and Christian and heterosexual, and some of them were slave owners. They're the oppressors. They had white privilege. They were racist. They're the patriarchy, the, the, male, the male oppressor. Therefore, to them, America is rotten at its core, and Christianity is the basis for America, so Christianity ultimately is the ultimate, is the ultimate thing that needs to be toppled. That's why the title is The Goal of Overthrowing Christian America. They hate America. Because America represents everything they don't want it to be. And so the people who are involved in this, the, the people who are woke in the mainstream, you know, the political leftists or Antifa, anti-fascists or Black Lives Matter or the Human Rights Campaign or Planned Parenthood or, or even the religious mainline denominations, Protestant denominations, they want an overthrow of our system in replacement with more of a, a secular socialistic system like many countries in Europe. And the final impediment to getting to that, really, what's the last, the last bulwark in this country to letting them get their own way? It really is just born-again Christians, because not many other people, maybe a few kind of political conservatives who aren't Christians, but mainly it's born-again Christians who are the, the moral bulwark of them standing in the way of them getting their way. That's really it. Once that's toppled, no one else has the convictional, uh, the convictions the absolute objective convictions based on Scripture to put up any fight against this. This is why the country has changed so much. Now, the the evangelical version of this, who are woke, it's a little less obvious than the mainstream social justice move, the cultural Marxism is in the mainstream. It's a little less obvious, but it's based on the same cultural Marxism. You know, the the woke evangelicals are, are pushing a Christian-sounding version of this. So it's like liberation theology. You use a twisted version of theology to work towards social change. You reimagine the purpose of Christ, that he came to, to create uh, you know, social justice in the world instead of, to, like, instead of what he actually said he came to, I came to save sinners. So the gospel is about freeing the oppressed people of the world, not, not saving individual sinners. So is there anything biblical or glorifying to God in, in all of this. And, and herein lies the challenge, because there's always, you know, in any kind of poison that's effective, there's always a little bit of semblance of truth in the, in the midst of it. So, yeah, there is racism in America. Of course, there's racism everywhere. And it's not just white toward black, but, 
the majority in a country, you go to any country where there's a majority ethnic group, there's often a, a power of the majority over the minority. Is that structurally the case in America? Does America have systematic racism as, you know, as it is alleged? I don't think so. When, when, a, when a president, our last president, can be black and be elected by a, a majority of the voting electorate, when there's a minority of that population, there's, what, 12 or 13 percent blacks in the country, that he was elected president. I mean, I should tell you right there that there can't be that many racists in the country that, that would go on board to vote for someone like that if it was so racist. I mean, it's, um, it's pretty hard to, pretty far of a stretch to make, but in their mind, it's not. But we're running out of time, and I want to make sure that we get to what we need to do. We need to always examine ourselves on these kinds of things. We need, we need to, to ask these questions. You know, are, 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 is, there, is there truly racism in our own hearts? Is there a patriarchy that's oppressive to women? Should the church be welcoming to homosexuals? We need to look at Scripture, to accurately handle Scripture, to look at the example of Jesus and his his apostles and respond accordingly. Because if not, you go down all the wrong roads and you get very far away from why Jesus came, in fact, to change individual hearts. And when you change individual hearts, you change hearts, you change families, and you change, to a certain extent, society around you. Be awake to this woke cultural Marxism. And remember, we may live in a constantly changing and challenging America, but there is one thing we can count on. Jesus Christ and his word are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We hope today's broadcast turned your heart toward God, his word, and his son. To order a CD copy of today's program or sign up for our free weekly email, or to find out how you can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, go to our website, thechristianworldview.org, or call us toll-free at 1-888-646-2233. The Christian Worldview is a weekly one-hour radio program that is furnished by the Overcomer Foundation and is supported by listeners and sponsors. Request one of our current resources with your donation of any amount. Go to thechristianworldview.org. Or call us toll-free at 1-888-646-2233. Or write to us at Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. That's Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Thanks for listening to The Christian Worldview. Until next time, think biblically and live accordingly.